What am I missing in my diet? That remember the rainbow, the full spectrum. Light has healing powers. You can't live without light, you know. You'll die without light. But light has the whole spectrum of colors in it. So do the foods. So do the foods. And I just think it's, it's wise. I think it's prudent to look at the whole spectrum of the colors of foods and think to ourselves, well, what am I actually eating? What's missing from my diet? Now, all things in moderation, of course. I, I can't stress that enough. God says, remember what we looked at last week. In the Old Testament, there were things, in, particularly in the book of Leviticus, there were things that were holy, things that were common, things that were unclean. In the New Testament, the same principle carries through. The words change a little. Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Okay? So it kind of changes. In fact, there are some things that are for, just forbidden, like blood, as we saw last week. So don't overreact, folks. Look, if you're going out for a meal, to like some of you guys did last Sunday, to a Chinese restaurant, and you want to have sweet and sour pork or something, you know, <laughs> it's permissible. And that's okay once a year, twice a year. Just don't make it a habit. You understand? It's permissible. And I think that's the point that God was making to Peter when Peter has, ha, had his vision. All things are permissible, Peter. But be wise. You don't want to eat pork every week. Amen. Amen. You don't want to eat pork every week because you're going to get sick. Something somewhere, it'll get you later, not sooner. It'll get you later. Some mistakes you make in life, they get you tomorrow. Some mistakes you make in life don't get you for 20 or 30 years, but they get you. Right? So don't overreact to what we said, but act upon a good, balanced, sensible, wise diet. Because I believe that's the right thing to do. See your sheet there, the one marked foods, good foods when eaten in moderation. See that list I've written out. These are currently research tells us that these are some of the best uh, uh, anti-cancer foods that you can eat. See the green tea one? Green tea, strawberries, olive oil, grape seed oil, etc., etc. That first list there, just on the left-hand side of your notes, is, is a list of foods that they reckon can help fight cancer up here. One of the big killers in, in today's world because of the food, I believe. It's, it's getting at us through all sorts of means. So if you take those things, in, and I stress, in moderation, for instance, too much green tea is bad for you, okay? So, but, but green tea is good for you. So all things in moderation. And you may not think that, you know, Jeanette and I care or whatever, or what interest would I have in food. See that list, folks. See that list? We eat everything on that list. Okay? Don't even like half of it. <laughs> Eat it because it's part, it, it, it's my medicine. It's my medicine. You know, anti-cancer drugs, and we can ask Christina this, but anti-cancer drugs, one of the drugs, one of the things they extract some of those drugs from is tomatoes. When tomatoes get cooked, one of the ingredients they get there is the very thing they give as part of chemotherapy. But you know what, folks? Why not eat it before you get cancer? It's all there. It was all provided. It's all in nature, right? And the trees, and the, 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 the leaves of the tree shall be for our healing, right? So I think that's a very good list. I don't see anything dangerous on it. If you see anything, please tell me. And I've given you the, the, these notes to take home and maybe use in your cell groups this week and do your own study and begin to think about what you eat. Remember, you are what you eat. Look at the first one, for instance. Apple, Song of Songs mentions that. 
Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Okay? So if anybody here is faint with love, eat some raisins. You'll be fine. (laughs) All right? It mentions barley. It mentions beans, bread, dairy products. Keep turning. Just turn your page. Figs. It mentions fish. Many different types of fish there, as we looked in detail at that last week, and I'll come back to it in a moment. It mentions fruit and garlic, grains and grapes, herbs and honey. Keep going. Keep turning. And, of course, meat. Now, meat is a, is, is a very you know, hot topic, if you like. Could I have my chickens up, please? You've got to be careful what you're eating, folks. Now, I've been very polite with these slides, okay? I could have shown some terrible images of battery farms where chickens are raised. How many of you eat chicken? How many people eat chicken? Wow. Okay. That's just about everybody. Okay. You've got to be careful, for example, what kind of chicken you're going to eat. All right. As we mentioned last week, you know, the, the, the Panorama documentary showed that 45% or whatever of some chicken breasts were actually beef. And that's, you know, you know crazy enough. But... This is a very polite image of, of battery chickens, battery hens, who, who, who are held in cages, cages often stacked on top of one another. So they urinate and defecate down through the cages. And those birds are so unhealthy, their feathers fall out, they look dreadful. Okay, But this, I'm afraid, folks, it's the truth. This is the food. That's in Asda. That's in Tesco's, that's in Walmart, that's in your supermarket. This is the food that's on sale that looks such good value. And this is what we're putting into our bodies. We are what we eat. And then you've got the free-range type, organic chickens, if you like. Now, the difference for us, of course, so often is price. Currently, you can get a medium-sized chicken for about, what, three, three pounds or so. It's gone up a little bit. Three pounds for a medium to large chicken, maybe 350. How much will, <laughs> how much will the organic version? About eight, right? Between 750 and 850. So there's a big difference. But you know what? When we first changed our diet, I love meat. I was a meat eater. My dad was a meat eater. So we'd get red meat of all sorts. And I was a big meat eater. But once we changed our diet, when I first went to the organic parts of Asda or to a local organic shop beside us, as I looked at the prices of the things, I thought, we, can't, we, we just can't afford it. I can't afford this stuff. Look at the price of that. That's crazy. I get three chickens for that. Amen? You can think like that. But you know what? As time has gone by, and as we decreased on certain things, we can't afford it. I was wrong. So don't be deceived. You actually can't. Do you know what happened? We began to buy less rubbish. Right? And so we saved on that. Began to buy certainly less of the junk food. And then when you look at the chicken for like eight quid or whatever, it becomes okay because it can last you two, three, four days and you spread it out because you're not eating so much meat. Do you understand? So many people say, you know, I, I, I would love to eat healthy, but I can't afford to. Well, I challenge you that I felt the same and I was wrong. I can afford to. Choose wisely. You need to buy more often because organic foods do not have the preservatives that the other stuff has, okay? So you're going to have to go to the shop more often. That's a little bit of a drawback in some ways, but the benefits are out of this world, okay? So I, I would advise you, take it very seriously. Continuing on your notes there to the next page, the Bible mentions nuts, olives, 
onions, pomegranates. And once again, modern science has just recently discovered the great benefits in pomegranates. They're the, the latest thing. Spices and, of course, vegetables. Let me read what it says there under vegetables from Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. Please test your servants. It's on the bottom of that page under vegetables. Daniel chapter 1, verse 12 to 17. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat the servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and did this test with them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. Good thing to be a vegetarian then, huh? It's a good thing to be a vegetarian if you're going to eat this stuff, guys. If you're going to eat this stuff, you may as well be a vegetarian. You don't have to be a vegetarian because all things are permissible. But you do have to be careful about the meat that you buy, the type of meat. Remember, the, our bodies, people say red meat is not digestible by the human body. It actually is digestible, but not immediately. So, for example, when you eat white meat, it, it is digestible. It, it will pass through your body. But red meat doesn't. Red meat has to wait in your body. It has to stay in your intestine for a, an unhealthy length of time until that meat is broken down by the acids in your stomach and then you process it, okay? It stagnates, which is why you feel heavy after red meat. So just be careful. Are we allowed to eat meat? Yes, but use wisdom in all that we do. Before we proceed, let me just say a little bit about GM foods. Is Brandy here? Give us a wave. I was going to ask her, <laughs> what percentage do you think of foods in America are GM foods? Genetically modified foods. It's currently running, they reckon, about two-thirds. So two-thirds of the food that people are eating has been messed about with. Okay? Now, I'm not saying rights or wrongs of genetically you know, GM foods. I'm just saying we've got to be careful about what we eat because there are lifestyle diseases, diet diseases that are popping up all over the place. Lifestyle diseases are things such as a stroke, a heart attack, diabetes. They reckon about 97% of these diseases or conditions come about through lifestyle. That's a massive proportion. So don't say, well, I had a stroke because my mother had it. That, that, that's not the story here. That's only a very small percentage of, the, of, of heart attacks, diabetes, etc. Most of it is actually caused by the diet or the lifestyle that people are eating. Now, it began about the, in the early 90s. Here's your normal tomatoes. Nothing wrong with these, is there? <laughs> Nothing wrong with tomatoes growing on a tree, except, remember, people are trying to make money. And the more money they can make, the better they think it is for them. Tomatoes. GM tomatoes. Look at the difference. You see? And everything that they touch, everything that they start interfering with, gets so much bigger. Okay? And then they make more money. Now they're starting to put flavors in these things. Cherry tomatoes, lemon tomatoes are coming out with a hint of lemon. Right? So they're messing about with the genetics within it. Could I have my next slide, please? They, they did this throughout the 90s with wheat. And wheat, which was small... The next one, please. Wheat, which is actually quite small to the hand, they, did, they wanted to expand it. Now, for years, folks, when you eat bread and stuff like that, generally speaking, if it's not organic, 
That stuff has been interfered with genetically, and there it is, and it's so much bigger. Now, I'm not saying it's particularly harmful. I'm just saying I want to know. I want to know. And so there's many groups around the world that are complaining and protesting. If you're going to make GM products, we want it on the label. I better not mention this company because this is a big company. I'll get sued. But you all know this product, right? This is a cereal, a very famous cereal. Is it GM or not? Yes. Now, find it on the label. It's not there. No mention of anything to do with GM products. This is just one out of thousands of products that we buy every day. Okay? Because the law currently states that you do not need to put that the fact that it's a GM food on the label. That's the current system, and they're fighting it with all their might. Now, as I say, I'm not saying it's particularly harmful. I just want to know. That's all. And I would prefer to go, if, if that's the case, I would prefer to find something that was organic. Right? An organic muesli or something like that. If I like cereal, I don't want to eat this all my life. Because it will build, if there is something, I'm not saying there is, but if there is something, it will build up in my system over time. So, now organic foods aren't perfect. There's a few problems there because they don't put nitrates in the soil and stuff. But nonetheless, on the balance of probability, I, I think it's a better health plan. You know, to go that route. And as I say, if you plan well and buy wisely, you can afford it. Because it's not much different from what we were paying originally. Okay, that's it for food, praise God. There's another sheet on your seat. Which has got numbers written on it. The book of numbers, which is our, our, our message for today. I absolutely love this book and I love the theme of this book. It's about entering the promised land. And the book of numbers basically asks us, asks you, what was it that motivated these people? What was it that led them into the promised land? Next slide, please. Do you know, just go back one, please, Henry. Thanks. That's it. Folks, did you ever have something inside you and you can't give it to someone? You're excited about something or you see something and you just can't get people to get it? I, I often you know, feel like that about this very point, this point here. This is a biggie. In the Old Testament, it was all about what? Entering the promised land. The vast majority of that book, most of those books, are written to tell you that God had a plan for his people. And that plan was a very good one. That they would enter a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And that's what Numbers is about in Deuteronomy and all the rest of them. What changes in the New Testament? How does that apply to you? Remember, everything's a mirror image. Well, this is how it applies to you. Okay, in the New Testament, just like he promised them milk and honey, he promises us, if you like, health and wealth. Okay, now you get in a lot of trouble in some places for saying that, but that's what God promises. So for them, it was a land. For us, it's a lifestyle, if you like, a way of living, a way of living with God in our lives. Now, the problem is when these things are missing. And this particular message here, folks, is so pertinent for you. So pertinent for you, for this church. Particularly for this church. And there's thousands of people follow these messages online. But the, today, I'm really, really talking to you. Because I know you. And that's why it kind of frustrates me a little bit. Because I think this is the heart of... If Jesus were to turn up here today, I think this is the heart of 
of what he would want to say to who? To you. To you personally. Now, there's reasons for that, which I'll explain in a minute. Many of us here are professionals from varying backgrounds, various degrees, and that can be a good thing. Next one, please, thanks. That can be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing. And I would ask you, just don't, don't answer this question. Who is leading your life? Who's been leading it from the beginning? Because many of you can be career-led. And remember, folks, that's absolutely fine if God is in it. That's absolutely fine if you can say to me, Pastor Mike, God told me to be a dentist. And this is what I'm going to do, and this is my life, and this is my future. If you can say to me, God told me, then I'm absolutely fine. But remember, folks, if you do not lead your life, there's plenty of people who will lead it for you. If you do not get a promise of your own, there's plenty of people who will harness you to their you know, promises or dreams for their life. So being career-led can be a good thing, but it can also be a very bad thing. And then we blame God, get frustrated, get confused about why our lives are the way they are. You can be led by others. And once again, that's a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Depends who the people are. Some of you have no leadership at all, right? And you just go with the flow, and that's not healthy, not good. Some people are devil-led, obviously not good. Or you can lead yourself. But ultimately, God wants you to be what? Promise-led, right? That's His style. That's the way He leads people. For them, it was the promised land. For you, it is a promised life. And man, I mean, we could spend the rest of the day on that point alone. Romans chapter 12. The plan of God for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. Perfect, right? The plan of God for your life is good, pleasing, and perfect. So if I'm falling short of that, I need to ask myself, what promises am I following? Have I ever got a promise? Have I ever sought God for a promise? You know, God is a bit of a grandfather as well as a father. And when a father is raising a child, say it's a naughty child, if a father has to discipline or raise a child, that father will use instruction, will use discipline and law and order if you like. A grandfather takes a slightly different approach. A grandfather, maybe with a bit more experience and a bit more grace, often use motivation, would use a promise. Whereas the father would say, sit down, don't move. If you move, I'm going to give you a smack. The grandfather may say, if you sit down and if you're a good boy, I promise you that I'll give you this, right? The grandfather takes a different approach and God is a bit of both. Of course, he's a father, amen. But the way he handles us, the way he changes us is very much the grandfatherly approach, Okay, because he knows us through and through, and it's often got to do with behavior. You see that naughty child? As soon as the naughty child sees a promise, what changes? The behavior. The behavior changes, and God looks at you in your life, and he sees this problem, this problem, this is good, that's good. But in order to change you, what do you think he's going to do? He's always done the same thing. He sets a promise. He's a good father. 
He sets a promise because he knows when you get a hold of that, when you hear that, when you've got something to live for, that's the thing that will motivate you. That's the thing that will captivate you. But you know what the problem is, folks? And this is my point. Many people and many of you live a life without a promise. Because you have never either taken it, this issue seriously enough and sought God for what that is. And goodness only knows what it is. You need to have a blank sheet. I remember when I went to Dublin for the very first time. I, I, I needed a job. I was just landing there. We were going to plant a church there. And I went uh, ahead of Jeanette. I got a newspaper. Listen to this. I sat that newspaper on my lap and I needed a job. So I said to God, I'm opening this paper and I'm going to look in the job section and I want you to show me, blank sheet remember, I want you to show me what I am to do. Show me. I open the paper, start to read down, van driver just jumps off the page. You know, really, I could feel it. I've got that job. That's it. I wasn't thinking of van driver. It's a blank sheet. I've got a promise. So I go, I find the place, actually it wasn't far from me as it happened. I wrote a little letter to the guy. I went round, I think if I can remember correctly, there were nine people going for that job. I got that job. In fact, I led the manager to the Lord on the first day. He became my best friend and also the person who's blessed us more financially than anybody else on earth. Amazing, isn't it? When you get the promise right, when you hear right, but it's got to be blank. It's got to be blank because the last thing on my mind was driving a bread van. I wasn't thinking about that. But God knew someone, wanted to connect me with someone. And if I go in with blinkers, thinking only one way, and that's where the career can become a problem. If I go in with blinkers just thinking one way, then I have, you know, I may well miss the blessing of God. Folks, please listen to me. God wants to give you a promise. Now, if you don't give him the time, space, and openness to hear that, And to receive it, you know what? There are plenty of other people who will. People will promise you a relationship. It's very common. It takes people away from the promises of God. Promises to do with your career. Promises to do with all manner of things. When the promise of God is missing, we become very vulnerable, very susceptible to other promises. Do you understand me? And I've seen this again and again and again and again and again in my life. I see someone in the church. I see a person. And I think to myself, I start to get the gut feeling, God wants that person here or this person there. And I, as, you start, as you start to go to them and say, I think I've got to, someone takes them away. They get into a relationship. This door opens that door. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. God's got to be first. God's got to be first. You've got to get that promise thing right because that's the center of your motivation. No promise, no zeal, no fire. And life kind of can become very dull, very quickly, if that doesn't have its right place. Next slide, please. So this is the way it works. God wants to give you a promise. That's what he's always done. Okay? But I'm sorry to say very quickly a problem will arise. And if you get over the problem by obeying the right principles, because that's the way this works, you will end up in the provision that God has for you, the promised life. That's the way it works, very clear. It's right throughout the Old Testament. All right? 
So where are you on that list? I guess many of you need to start at the first one. Do you have a promise? Remember, they were in Egypt and God wanted them to go to the promised land. Remember the place in the middle? What was it called? Lodabar. And what does that mean in English? The land of no promise. The bit in the middle. So don't tell me this is not important. This is crucial, central, and, and is maybe more important than you realize. They were in Egypt. He wanted them in the promised land, but they got stuck in a place of no promise. So to begin with this morning, let me ask you, do you have one? Do you have a, a promise that God has put ahead of you? Something to live for, something that motivates you that you know comes from God. And if you don't, then I advise you to do a little bit like we did this week in the times of prayer where you just sit quiet. And I, you know what, folks? Just being honest and open and personal. As I look back on my life, that's the one thing has, has been a saving grace for us, has been prayer. Because we did give God the time. Did give God the time. Always waited till we heard. Didn't move without it. Waited. And I, I have, if I've been ruthless on anything, that's the thing that I've always wanted to get right. If I didn't hear, I wouldn't do anything. I would just get furious and frustrated and stop eating and wait until I heard. So we have had a series of promises. Sometimes it changes. God says, go and do this or go and do that. But I, I know the difference, you see. I know what life is like without that. And I know what life is like with it. And that's why I want to encourage you, for heaven's sake, get alone with God. If you know that the overall goal you're not clear on, get alone with God. Without that vision, you will perish. You'll have the form. You're sitting here, but not the function. And only you know that. Deep in your heart, you know whether that's there or not there. And next week is strategic for us. So God gives a promise, but you better be aware that you're going to hit a problem. When I first made my mind up that I was going to ask Jeanette to marry me, that's a difficult time. It's a big decision, isn't it? It's one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make in your life. So I thought, well, how do I make a decision like that? So what I decided to do was toss a coin. I thought, I'm only joking. <laughs> what I decided to do was seek God, and I felt God say, marry Jeanette, you know, just go right ahead. So, listen, <laughs> I'm going to say to Jeanette, will you marry me? Guess what? Two women pop up. <laughs> ah, two women out of the congregation, right, from nowhere. Pastor, can we meet? Can we talk? What about? I think God's spoken to me. That, um, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> ah, I see. Now, I haven't got to Jeanette yet. Do you know what? In that, not just did that happen to me. I have seen that happen many people. Soon as the right person comes along, soon as the promise, you're clear on it. Do you know what happens? Problem. Now, when that happened to me, it kind of, even with experience, it still threw me into a tailspin. And I remember going alone with God, and I, I said, you know what, God, I need an answer. And I need an answer now. Now, my heart is right. I will do what you tell me to do. At, at, at whatever the cost, I'll do what you tell me to do. Now, let's take uh, the, 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 the one particular girl. She, wh what is this? What is this? She's saying, you told her to marry me? What is this? Show me. Burr, burr. Hello? It's another member. I need to talk to you. Okay, no problem. I'll meet you. I go down. Guess what that member wanted to talk about? That girl. Oh, what's the problem? Well, 
Pastor, two years ago she borrowed a lot of money off me and she never paid me back. But she came back to me with another sob story and so I lent her some more money and she never paid it back. And now she's back at my door again asking me for more money. What should I do? I'm thinking, it's got nothing to do with the money. Forget the money. <laughs> this is, yes, it, it, she's a thief, by the way. If you borrow money and don't pay it back, you're a... That's right. She's a thief. And that's all I needed to know. I was so grateful for that. Any promise, any worthwhile promise will be tested. It will be tested, right? And it's tested for good. Now, there are principles. What did I do in that... Um, situation. Choose what's best for me. No, the principles involved here. You go back to, go back to God. I'm confused. I'm not going to rush into air. Go back to God. God, I, I, I will obey the principle. You're still Lord and I need help. So please make this clear to me. Okay. So just, I'm, 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 you know, you will have a, a million circumstances ahead of you in your life. And if you make God your, your, your default, then you're not going to go far wrong. Okay? Let me show you a little thing here. Excuse me. One moment. This is... The book of Numbers is all about that. It's all about the people who entered and the people who didn't. Now, you wouldn't be aware of these things, but these are kind of important to me. Churches don't grow well, very seldom, in a straight line, right? Very seldom, because does a church go straight up in its numbers? What tends to happen is churches, say, from 50, they'll grow to 100, and then they'll go back down to 75. And then they'll go back up to maybe 125, a bit higher than they originally were, and then back down to 100. And then up to 250, and then back down to, you know? So the actual end result should be higher than your original. Are you with me? Okay, it's always nudging up. Now, it's very important for us to know that in numbers because churches like this, like any other church, it grows through phases and the book of Numbers follows the people of God through these phases, through the wilderness, okay? How many people entered? They reckon about two million, probably more. Two million people left Egypt and set off on the journey. How many entered the promised land of that number? Two. Two? <laughs> Two! That's unbelievable! Absolutely unbelievable! Most of them, well, all of them, God was actually vexed with them. He was very angry with them. Now, I just want you to understand something about church growth, about because you're going to spend your life in churches. You're all born again, I hope. So you're going to spend your life in churches. Churches have history too. This church will have a history. Certain people are here at the beginning, if you like, the, the founders the planters, but that tends to be a different group very often than the group in the middle. Not that God wants that, though. He doesn't. Remember, he commended the two. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb. He commended the two who moved to the next version. This is where the word comes from, next. It's in Numbers. He, he commended Joshua and Caleb because as the church grew, they didn't leave. They stayed with it. But to stay with it, Joshua and Caleb had to move to the next version of themselves. That's what they were commended for, and that's what the book of Numbers is all about. You see, if I take VFC Singapore, 
our mother church. That's a church currently of about 5,000. Went up to about 8,500. Listen, folks, it was formed 30 years ago. The people who formed it, do you think they're here? No, mostly gone. Because they couldn't cope with the changes, wouldn't make the changes that are necessary. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. If you want an exciting future, you need to be willing to make the changes and count yourself as one of those two. Amen? And that's the focus, as I say, of next week. Now, two million of them, the only two, uh, uh, Caleb and Joshua, two million of them fall away. Two million of them do not enter the promised land, not even Moses. And there was a number of reasons for that. Sorry, if I can go back to my slide there. They got the promise, they encountered problems, but they did not obey the principles, and so they never entered the provision. On your notes there, the, the, the third point, what are those principles? If you tell me there's, and they're standard principles, by the way, folks. If you tell me there's principles that I need to obey in order to in, in, in inherit the promises of God or enter the promises of God, what are they? Well, they're very simple. Number one, number one, what is it? Obey God and obey the leader. God takes it very personally when you disobey the leader. And folks, you know what? I, I can say that a thousand times to you. And, and many of you won't get it. You know, I was in here early this morning and I was just praying about that very point. You need to know this one. Because this is, may not be important to you, but it's important to God. You need to obey the leader. Let me show you something. You know my overseers? Shane Comiskey? Ray Belfield and Rick Seward. They're my three overseers. Let, let me just try something here. <laughs> if I have ever said a bad word about any of my three overseers, come and tell the whole church what I said. Many of you have been with me for five, six years. We've talked about all kinds of things. We've gone out for dinner. If I have ever said a bad word about any of my leaders, come and tell the whole church. Nobody can. That's how confident I am. None of you can. Do you know why? Because I never did. And some of you do not understand the principles. Folks, please don't take me wrong when I say this. I have not only had a promise from God, I have fulfilled the promises God gave me and moved on to more. And gone from the fulfillment of one vision to the next one. Well, many people are standing still not knowing what to do. So open your ears and listen. There are principles. If you disobey the principles. That's what they did. What did they do? Spoke against Moses. Spoke against Moses. And when you speak against leaders, listen to me. You do not understand what you're doing. You don't get it. Right? You just don't get it. Let me, no matter how I've tried over the years to get that point into people, it's incredibly difficult. But let me give you an illustration to explain it. Let's say Sunday school, downstairs, right? And I go down this week and there's like 30, 40 kids and they are terrible, dreadful. They're jumping on the seats, they're misbehaving terribly. And the Sunday school ends and I say, oh dear me. And the parents come in, how are the kids? Oh, they're okay. They're all right. I'll forgive them. I'll let it go. 
And you know why I will do that? I will do it because it's me. That's why. Because I have the right. But if I say, Sinyi, would you look after the children next week? I have taken my responsibility and I have given it to someone else. Now, if I see Sinyi at the end of the Sunday school and she comes to me and she says, Pastor Mike, they were dreadful. They have been awful. What do you think I will do? No grace. You'll get very swift judgment. Because I may take it, but you don't have to. Because I put you in that position. Do you understand? So you will see that God is incredibly gracious, folks, with you when it comes to himself. When it comes to the way you deal with him, God is incredibly patient. But when it comes to the way you deal with leaders, it's completely different. You get swift judgment. Right? And in fact, you can do a study on that. It's amazing. Right? And that's what, that's what these two guys understood. Joshua and Caleb said, you must be crazy. It's the image thing. If I speak against Moses, what on earth is going to happen to me? Right? So understand, it really is an important point. In your life, keep a, a, a good relationship as best as it's possible with you, with those who oversee you, because God takes that very, very seriously. That's a big mistake they made. Under point three there. Obey God and obey the leader. Don't moan, which is what they did. Sujith, could you come? Don't moan. That's exactly what they did. They complained and complained and complained. And if you read in the book of Proverbs, I think it is seven things that God hates. One of them is negative speech and, and, and moaning, etc., etc. I guess they were just naive and oversimplistic about how the vision would be attained. Be grateful. Uh, see, be grateful, remain grateful, and gratitude moves the hand of God, folks. If you're grateful and you keep yourself in that place, I think God just can't stop from blessing. Have faith and keep an active faith in whatever promise or vision God has given you. Be patient. Watch your speech, something that has changed in me a lot over the years. I believe probably in the early years of my Christian walk, speech was one thing that was constantly tripping me up because I would if you like build up my faith but then my speech would puncture it so watch your speech be careful and accept God's option for you as the best one no matter what you might think folks you agree with me God knows better amen when I was in social services I applied for one job and I really really wanted this job and I actually got it but things worked out kind of funny and I didn't end up getting that job I ended up going here. Man, I was annoyed about that. I was really annoyed. But as time went by and I worked in this department, I got to know that department. And I very quickly became aware, man, I would have hated that. If I had gone there, I would have actually hated that. That would have been a disaster. God, you, you knew best. And if I stick with you and believe your promise, if I obey the principles, and employ those principles with every problem, and they will come, then I can, in this life, in this present age, I can enter in to the promises of God. Amen? So why don't you just take one moment, one second here this morning, and see this? It's a blank sheet. And why don't you give God your future? 
And you may be surprised what he might say. You know, there was a young woman called Jackie Pullinger, very famous now. Jackie Pullinger in Cambridge, finished her university education, came out, and that's exactly what she did. God, here you go. Remember the story? Incredible. Get on a boat. Round the world cruise. Get off in Hong Kong. And from that came Teen Challenge and the rehabs and all the rest of that stuff. Fantastic. Chasing the dragon. Van driver? I'm not thinking of van driving. She wasn't thinking of Hong Kong. But you need a blank sheet. That's what you need. So don't put on here, God, you want me to do A, B, or C. No, no, no. A blank sheet is a blank sheet. Amen? So why don't you do that right now? Just bow your heads. Just invite the worship team to come back. Just bow your heads. Just close your eyes one moment. God, we just lift ourselves once again to you this morning. And we have had many dreams and many plans. And I pray for the protection of those that are from you. That if you have given us promises that you will protect them in Jesus' name. That we will nurture them and see them through to completion. God, if you have not given us promises and we're just pursuing our own goals, our own aims, would you forgive us? And this morning, would you write on our hearts, write into our lives your dream, your vision, your plan for us. You just take a moment and let God speak to you.